We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to talk Sabres hockey. Let's get the inside story. Here's Sabres head coach Don Granado. The Don Granado Show is being brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. By Losey and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. By Roy's Plumbing, just call Roy's today. We'll take the worry away. And by Town Ford. When you think Ford, think of Town Ford. Now with head coach Don Granado, here's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Get your Sabres head coach Don Granado in just a moment. Jeremy White with you. Joe's out today. Sabres play Florida tonight, then Tampa, then Vegas. No Jack Eichel for Vegas. Long-term injury reserve for him. Vegas, Winnipeg, Toronto. Good, uh, fierce list of five opponents. I mean, Tampa's having a bit of a down year for them, but uh, they are in a playoff spot right now in the second wild card spot with 69 points through 60 games. So a, uh, a test here. If the Sabres can turn this three-game win streak into, uh, I mean, eight might seem bold, but tough opponents, tough tests, some road games, and can they get it done? We'll talk with the Sabres head coach uh, in a few moments. Recapping what we've gone through today, talked a little bit about Sean McDermott's comments on uh, Bobby Babbage taking over the defensive play calling. Whether or not that happens, they've not decided yet, or or at least they're not making that public yet. A little bit about receiver craziness now that Adam Rank has a piece up saying that Justin Jefferson should be traded. We've got Matthew Collar coming up next segment to talk about that. And uh, court storming, a big topic around the old sports world, have asked the question, if you have ever stormed the court or a field after a win, and then where and when? And about 1,200 votes into the Twitter poll, and 25% have indeed done it. I have. Twice. One football, one basketball. Josh, you said no for you? I've not been given the opportunity, to be honest. I've never been to a a basketball game of that magnitude. So if I was at one and it was like (laughs) everyone was doing it, I would for sure jump in. Lower magnitude games, more of your speed? I've just never been to like a D1 basketball game. Yeah. So, well, it doesn't have to be D1. It's funny. Like a lot of the answers here, you've got some. They they range from some of the responses here. They range from uh, Joe Beamer, B-E-N, Virginia Tech when they beat UNC in a home opener. Here's one for UB. Scott wrote in with a UB winning their first MAC championship. Stevens at Chattanooga. And some of these go all the way down to high school and programs that maybe you wouldn't know about. Evan wrote in, Marietta College men's basketball. The OAC championship game. Small school, not many bleachers with access to the court. So you've got everything from you know Texas A&M on one side, MAC championship, all the way down to Andy tweeted in a picture from Brockport. Men won the Sunyaks and qualified for the D3 tournament. And he, sure enough, he's got a picture of people on the court. So it's a big story, of course, in the country because of what happened between Wake Forest and Duke. And you've got conversations about whether or not it will change or it should change. Um, but... That that picture 
of all the way from, you know, Duke, Wake Forest, Texas A&M, Alabama, all the way down to Brockport. All due respect to Brockport, but, you know, we're just talking about the different levels. All the way down to high school games that this this kind of thing does happen. And whether you think it's a true and authentic and organic reflection of the passion for the game, it is something that happens routinely and maybe too routinely. I mentioned earlier this morning, I've got a Jay Billis clip of him saying a month ago that there were too many of these. It happened four times in a week. And, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of games on TV, and the tournament's getting bigger and bigger. You keep letting more teams in, more games are going to, I would say, like have more meaning. But if all of a sudden more teams get in the tournament and I've got conference tournament season around the corner, I've got more juice in all these games, then I've got the potential to get fans, you know, riled up. So if you want to give us a call on that and tell us when you did that, where you did it, 803-0550, as we connect with our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Thomas wrote in over 30 years ago as a student at St. Bonaventure did, in fact, storm the court. So 25% of those voting have and 75% haven't. Then there's the question of who would. Like you said, for the 75% that have not, would you in the right scenario? I want to say that 90% of people would, given the scenario, in the right spot. There's differing, differing scenarios. Sometimes it's dramatic in last second. Sometimes it's going to be a slow build. I mentioned the one I I did was that. They won by 14 points, and the game was over about halftime, and we're you know making plans to get out there if, if in fact, people were going to go. Then there's cases where security will let you do it. So it's not exactly like you run over law enforcement on the way to do it. You could say it's Jay Billis wants people arrested if they do it. A lot of times you are being granted access like, okay, be safe. You know, do get out there, but take it easy. 803-0550-188-550-2550. Waiting on Sabres head coach. Don Granado for our uh, weekly visit. Additionally on the Sabres. So the game against Carolina. Anyone else find themselves? I mean, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday at 6 o'clock, that game. Anyone else find themselves strangely into that game? And I think the power goal, man, in, in terms of watching games on television and pop from goals that get scored, that was a big one. It's a really big one. And to watch them play into overtime and then, you know, keep rolling through, it was, it was, it felt high stakes. Even though I don't really feel like it was high stakes, it, it felt it. It felt like the team showed up for a crowd that was active. And, you know, they've had their struggles at home this season. I know it's been a topic with Don talking about how they could maybe find better success at home. They have had the support at home. I've been at a lot of games where it is packed and there's an opportunity to get the crowd in the game, and it just it hasn't really happened. So it was nice to see Sunday. And Krebs, to see Krebs make that play on the goal to, to, to power. It was nice. That's a guy who's seen his role elevated, and maybe there's some more potential there. There's 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 more happening there. But the game it felt, itself just felt like it felt big. And I know 
it wasn't really. There have been a couple games like that over this long drought. We still find our way to individual game events that kind of bring back what it is, what it's supposed to be about, how it's supposed to feel on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening in February. Meaningful games in March. A couple years ago, this organization targeted meaningful games in March as an actual thing the GM said. Then they lost a bunch in a row and didn't have any. Last year they did. And, man, last year's finish to the season fueled a full off season of, I can't wait for this team to come back. And whether it was expectations or hopes that they would be exciting this year, I mean, it, it kind of fell flat on the way that they started the year. But it is a reminder to me that it, that we, like fans, people in the building, people that call that place a morgue or a library, it's never that far away from that being gone and it just being back and the juice all being back. It's never that far away. A fun game, a good crowd, it'll do it. And having it happen every night, okay, that might take some time to get everybody back every night. But Sunday was, I mean, Sunday was encouraging for me. It was the way they played. It was the style. It was watching from home and hearing the crowd. There have been too many games where you you don't hear it. And, you know, is this conversation about court storming here? It, it It's not nothing. Being in an event where people are going crazy drives home how intense it is, whether they're running on the court or standing in their seats. And man, that game Sunday, like it was, it was water to a thirsty person for me. You know, watching a lot of these games, there have been some, there have been a handful, too many, that have just been kind of like, all right, you know, it's uh, here we go. This game actually kind of felt like that when they got scored on two minutes in. Here we go again, but. It wasn't. It turned into a, a rock-solid affair. 803-0550 to join us. We'll get to Bob in Arkansas. Hey, Bob, good morning. Hey, Jeremy. How you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. How are you, Bob? I'm doing great, man. Great. Thanks for having me on. So I've been in a few stadiums. I used to travel a bunch of work. I was in East Lansing one time, and I said, what the heck? This evening, I'm like, what am I going to do? I went down to the campus, uh, went down to the stadium, Walked right out onto the field, you know, sort of went in the back door. And then I was in Ann Arbor on the same trip, decided to go to the big house. I just remember walking into the locker room area. There's this huge Charles Woodson, uh, uh, like, bobblehead in the back with just stacks of Gatorade. I walked right down the tunnel out to uh, the field, you know, thinking this is where Tom Brady walked down. Then one of the coolest ones is I was in Baton Rouge, and I walked out, uh, sort of went through the back door. Like, I was going in, Coach O jogged by. <laughs> summertime he jogged by said hello and then i go in the back door walk right into the locker room see joe burrow's locker then i walk right down to the field and uh that place is unbelievable how big it is death valley yeah at lsu um anyways cool stuff man it's just sort of those things you do and i don't know just okie doke walk through and check it out but it's amazing to be down on the field on a separate note uh, you gotta stop talking about Justin Jefferson. You guys are killing me, man. My hopes that my hopes get up higher on that one. It's gonna kill me because that would be unreal. Anyways, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys have a fantastic day. Thanks, Bob. Stay tuned. Next segment, Matthew Collar from Minnesota on any sort of Jefferson stuff. Yeah, I mean, maybe to, to your point about you know walking on the field there at LSU or the Big House or wherever. I went to Clemson, boy, now probably like four years ago. And one thing Clemson football does is everybody goes on the field after every game. It is not storming the court. You just go on the field. 
it's it's what's done. The team, you know, walks runs down that hill, right? If you think about college football and some of the different environments, the team runs down that hill and everybody leaves that way. At least in like in the lower bowl. I guess there's some people that pr- presumably go out. But it was very clear we were sitting down low, Syracuse and Clemson. Clemson beat them, so Clemson fans were happy. It was close, though. Um, and then, you know, first time there, it's like, oh, yeah, we, 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 go out up, we go out that way. It's just the way that you exit the stadium. Walk onto the field and then walk up the hill, and that's how you leave. So these, these atmospheres, these environments, you know, you, you mentioned Death Valley and LSU. That is my number one where I'd like to get to next, ahead of Michigan. I've been to Penn State. And I don't know, maybe there, maybe there's a nostalgia is probably not the right word for this because college sports, there's a, there's a romanticism tied into them that right or wrong, people are saying now that it's losing with NIL, right? Like, I don't really believe that. I think that it's still great and still can be great. For a while, the pageantry of college sports was about more traditions and more specific traditions or routines or whatever. The buildings are a lot different. The fan bases are different. The names, the colors, the marching bands. This is true of college football and college basketball. And going to a college basketball game is wildly different from going to an NBA game. And that's not because of the players on the court or who's getting paid. It's just because you have a totally different life in the stands of a college game. The band, the student sections, the chants, the cheers, it's just different. And without even saying one's better than the other. The storming of the court, I I know if if they I'm gonna, I'm not going to sit here and tell you if they get rid of it somehow, which would be very hard to do given now that I'm seeing pictures that they stormed the court in Brockport. Like Jay Billis is suggesting they arrest everybody, everybody everywhere. When they storm at Brockport, you arresting all those people. I mean, there might have been 50 people on the court. Should they all be arrested? I mean, a lot of work here for Jay Billis and, and company to get everybody citations. But the point is. If they come for it and say it's gone, I'm not about to sit here and say what a mistake they've made. But it's sure it's organic and it's also phony sometimes, and it's also there's too much of it. Okay, I I don't know what you're supposed to do about college kids that see other college kids having fun doing a thing, and then your school knocks off Duke. Okay, somebody stormed the court against them last week. I don't care. This is my school this week. I want to go. And I think it's it's a tough spot for ESPN, for college, for all of it. ESPN has been, in my opinion, the number one machine that has pushed the intensity into college sports. And that's for the for the greater good altogether. Great good has been done with that. But, you know. A couple of people get hurt in stormings of the court, and I guess that's, you know, that's not something you want. I don't think anybody wants that. 803-0550, I think we're going to uh, reschedule Don Granado maybe for tomorrow. So Granado tomorrow, they're on a uh, road trip in Florida. I was off Friday and Monday, and, you know, there's one thing I, I regret not getting to before taking a couple days off. It's guessing what the hot dog of the day will be at a Sabres game. The Stormy. It was the Stormy against Carolina, which is named after the Carolina mascot, and had Carolina-style barbecue. And I don't know if you out there have a very 
strong opinion one way or the other, barbecue versus Carolina barbecue. I'm here to tell you I like Carolina barbecue a lot. Vinegar-based? Yeah. Would have been a good dog. The Stormy. Who's the next home game? Vegas. Hmm. Vegas. You actually get every bit of a buffet right on your hot dog. The buffet dog. They put every single thing they've put on any dog this year all onto one dog and called it the Vegas Buffet. There, there's my guess. Matthew Collar, when we get back on the latest on Justin Jefferson, this uh, pesky little idea that they might trade him instead of paying him. How absurd is that? How We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Real could it be? We'll talk with Matthew coming up on WGR. And I'm not trying to change the media. I know it's going to be like this or whenever when I leave. But I just truly just feel like I'm just misunderstood as, as a player, as a person. And, and, you know, it gets frustrating because anything I say, anything I do, it gets magnified times 10. I'm classified as a diva. I want the ball and this and that, blah, blah, blah. When, honestly, it's the other way around. You see me getting upset on the sideline and you automatically think it's about targets. No, no. What if, what if I'm holding my players accountable? What if I'm the guy that pushes everybody in the locker room, makes people uncomfortable to try to better themselves for the what if I'm that guy? That is A.J. Brown. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives of wide receivers having to insist that it's okay that they care about the sport and success. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Joe's out today. Joining us on the Western Hotline, former morning show producer, now big man about the Vikings, Matthew Collar. Matthew, good morning. What's up? Yeah, wide receivers as divas. Uh, maybe, you know, you do a few push-ups in your driveway one time, <laughs> and, you know, they give you the key to the city, and this is what they say forever about your entire position. I know. Shame. Matthew, honestly, when will, this, when will the, the NFL collective media have a, is it us moment? Are we the ones that's, that are doing this? Because A.J. Brown called into a radio station to say, like, I care about this stuff. <laughs> it's not, I'm not, I'm not, just because I'm yelling with Jalen Hurts or whatever, and here's Brandon Ayuk getting criticized for asked, like, do you want to come back? And he says, if the deal is right. Like, of course, everybody does this, except it only seems to stick with the receivers. I, I'm not even kidding when I say this is Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens' fault. Like, when, when they were actual divas and they did a lot of crazy stuff, it was like that stuck forever because I, I don't remember even growing up and having this with like Tim Brown and Andre Reed and Jerry Rice. Those, uh, it was like somewhere along the line, those guys, you know, changed the way people view the position. Also like TV cameras love a wide receiver. Who's mad on the sideline. Yeah. Like they, they, they love nothing. They never show a left guard. Who's really upset with the center <laughs> for not getting a, a blocking protection right it's like oh a wide receiver cut to cut to wide receiver cut to wide receiver i mean 
Yeah, like those – I mean, that, that was, you know, Stefan Diggs too. Like, Stefan Diggs was and, and always will be a super fiery competitor to the point where he pushes it too far sometimes. And you're always going to see that from some of these guys who compete. But when it's a wide receiver, I, for some reason, they love that more than anything. And, you know, he had that here with Diggs despite being, you know, as, as great as a wide receiver as the Vikings have had. And also he was right – about the Viking, like his complaint was that they weren't throwing the ball enough. They didn't have the right offensive philosophy. And he was like dead ass right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel the same way. There's just no re. And they're, they're, look, they're doing this to Justin Jefferson already. Yeah. Like Justin Jefferson negotiates a contract like every NFL player and trade him, get him out of here. If he's a money grubbing, you know, wide receiver, like, what are we, what are we doing here? The guy's unbelievable. So well, that's why I wanted I to get, know, man. yeah, that's why I wanted to get you on. I, I texted you last night. I said this on the air. I texted you. I wanted you to get on for a new segment called that team's not going to do that really dumb thing that people are pretending is smart, right? Which is Jefferson is about to play on the fifth year option, which is a $19 million price tag for him. And he, is most assuredly worth much more than that. And if he wants a contract to ensure that he's paid guaranteed money, then that's totally normal. Like, uh, quarterbacks get paid after year three now. Josh Allen got his big deal after year three. Mahomes, Kyler Murray got a big deal after year three. So here's Jefferson saying, I don't want to go into year five on this and immediately chatter about whether or not they could trade him. So um, they're not going to trade him, right? Uh, I really don't think so. Now, once upon a time, I did say on this very station that uh, the Vikings shouldn't trade Stephon Diggs and would probably never do it, and he's too good, and then he ended up as as a Buffalo Bill. So uh, I would not count anything out. But um, Justin Jefferson can't even rent a car yet. That's how young he still is. So if you sign him to a four- or five-year contract, you're still talking about having him through his entire prime and then, you, you know, see where it goes from there. Uh, the way that uh, teams can manipulate the salary cap, manipulate contracts, you know, you're just playing A.J. Brown. Look at A.J. Brown's contract. He set the highest mark for guaranteed money of any wide receiver for fully guaranteed money with $56 million. And uh, his cap hit, I think, didn't get over $20 million until, like, next year. I mean, so he's played, like, the first several years on his deal under $20 million cap hit. And I don't know how many times you have to explain this uh, like to fans or whatever, and we have overthecap.com to help us understand these things, but the, the money ultimately gets spread out. Uh, they, they can restructure these deals and things like that to lower salary cap hits. Like It's not that hard to work around a position player, especially if the position player is the best of the best. And I think it's kind of a similar thing to – Nick Bosa last year where, you know, San Francisco was never going to get rid of Nick Bosa, but when you have the best player and everyone knows it's going to be the biggest contract, it does take a while to work that out. Like there's a lot of moving parts. It isn't like your average left guard in free agency where it's like, okay, take it or leave it. I mean, he has a lot of power in this negotiation. And then you have the salary cap going up more than people expected as well. So the number is probably going to shock people, but I can't come up with any trade that makes sense unless Josh Allen is available. Is he available? Because I would do that. I would, I would trade Justin Jefferson for Josh Allen. But unless it's a quarterback, it, the whole thing is like wide receivers around the NFL who are truly great 
are making their quarterbacks better. I mean, I, I like Brock Purdy, but Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle make that guy a success. That's what you want. You, you don't want to have Josh Allen where it's like uh, he has to do everything himself. You want to have receivers so good that your quarterback can't fail. So that combined with his popularity, his personality, he's been as great of a superstar as you're ever going to find. I just can't see this ownership, this front office saying, okay, let's just trade him for draft picks and yeah. pray to God. It seems like a good way to end up looking really stupid to trade a guy that's, oh, yeah. th- th- that's this good. Matthew, looking back on – on this last run with the Vikings, they're about to switch at quarterback, right? Kirk Cousins is a UFA, and he'll sign somewhere. No no thought about Cousins coming back? Oh, uh, there's a lot of thought about Cousins coming back, just not for me. Uh, I think it would be an absolutely insane thing to do. Um, you know, People love that Einstein quote about the definition of insanity, but it really would be that kind of situation where they've done this for six years, they have one road playoff win. So Baker Mayfield as a Tampa Bay Buck has more home playoff wins than Kirk Cousins as a Minnesota Viking. They've paid him $200 million, and he's been fine. He hasn't been bad. He's just been fine, which is not good enough. It's just Mahomes and, and Allen, these are the guys who win, or teams who have amazing top-to-bottom rosters. And right now, the Vikings have nothing of the sort. I mean, they need like nine starters right now just, just to make a starting lineup, not even a complete roster. They, they have so many free agents, and Kirk Cousins is 36 and coming off of a severe injury. No matter how much he and Aaron Rodgers want to pretend that Achilles are just fine, they're not. It's really hard to come back from that. So I think it would be a tremendously bad bet, but – Kirk Cousins has this weird stranglehold on people where they fear someone worse than Kirk Cousins. (laughs) He sets this bar where it's like, well, he's the 12th best quarterback in the league, and if we do X, Y, and Z, we can probably win with him. And you actually can, unless you have the Eagles roster, the 49ers roster. Uh, Even, I mean, gosh, look at Dallas's rosters recently with a good quarterback who's not unbelievable, and they still don't get over the hump. So, uh, but coaches are afraid to get rid of him because they think, oh, a rookie is not going to be as good as him. And it's I, if you draft the wrong guy, we know what happens. Everybody gets fired. Um, so there's this kind of fear factor that Kirk Cousins always holds over this franchise, and they keep going back to him despite the fact that it never gets them anywhere. So if they decide not to go that direction, Matthew, speaking of Matthew Collar of uh, Purple Insider, covers the Vikings, former morning show producer, if they decide not to go that round, like, is this – is this like one of those years we were just begging the Bills to take a quarterback in the draft and that, that's the big question for the Vikings? Will they do it? Yeah, I mean, if they move on from him, they don't have much other choice. Uh, when you look at the other options, I would be fine with Baker Mayfield for a couple of years if that's what they were going to do and develop a quarterback or something. Uh, but I mean like one year to get him developed a, a draft pick. But you can't go with Jimmy Garoppolo or something and then hope that that's going to work. The argument that the general manager and coach Kevin O'Connell would have to make to uh, the ownership who will refuses to be bad. Like they are the worst ownership for me to cover because they absolutely refuse to ever fully rebuild slash tank ever. Uh, so this is this is a problem, right? Because there's kind of a mandate that they have to be trying to compete for the playoffs 
all the time, which makes it difficult. So then you're kind of looking at like, all right, where's the bridge quarterback that can keep you competitive and then draft a guy and then hopefully you can make that transition. It's a really hard thing to do and it usually doesn't work. Um, but they have to be looking at these quarterbacks. And so there's a wide range of options of, you know, do you trade three first round picks to try to go up and get Drake May if he's available or Jaden Daniels? Or do you, you know, just wait until number 11 and see if McCarthy or Bo Nix is there? Or do you trade back into the first to get the guy who drops? Like, there's lots of different ways that they could go about it. And I've done draft simulations on PFF's website of all of them so far. And uh, I like all the options better than uh, bringing back Kirk Cousins because I think this quarterback class is legitimately good. What does Jefferson want to do there? Like, does he have a good relationship with Cousins where – he would champion him, or would you think he'd be ready? Whatever, let's let's go wherever we got to go. It's a little bit of a mystery because he always says great things about Kirk Cousins, as he should. It's been his quarterback, and he's set all of these records. And I think what uh, I mean Jefferson, while playing with Cousins, and I think that the team and players have a great amount of respect for Kirk Cousins. It's hard to be this good for this long. And it's hard to understand the complexities of Kevin O'Connell's offense. And he's super accurate. He's really good at throwing the football. And so if you're a wide receiver, you're like, well, he reads the defense well. He gets me the football. I put up my numbers. I set my records. And Jefferson's going to get this huge contract in part because he had a very accurate and good quarterback. Jefferson also played with Joe Burrow in college. And he knows. He knows. And sometimes, sometimes uh, when he's doing interviews, hosts will kind of – bait him into something about Kirk like they asked him last year to rank his top five quarterbacks and he didn't rank Kirk because he's just kind of an earnest kid who doesn't think that the internet will explode after that uh but I think he realizes that there is a missing playmaking athleticism running element to Kirk and and more than anything I think Justin Jefferson wants to win he and Kirk Cousins together again zero playoff wins the best receiver on earth, zero playoff wins in part because his quarterback has been not good enough and too expensive to build a great roster. And I think Jefferson is aware of that, but it's going to be pretty unhappy if they get him a rookie who, who fails. Right. So, you, you know, it's like, if you try to play it, it's like my golf game. If you try to play it safe, you can still hit it in the woods. Uh, so you might as well just grip it and rip it is the way I look at it. But no one really truly knows how Justin Jefferson feels about this, but I think that he would much prefer somebody who can make plays and also somebody that they can actually compete for a Super Bowl with by building a complete team, which they've never been able to do around Cousins' uh, salary cap hit. Matthew Collar covers the Vikings, a Purple Insider, formerly of WGR, also an author, author of Football is a Numbers Game. Your book, uh, a little, little spotlight shined on it because it's about – the growth, the history, the story of uh, pro football focus, which it seems like, you know, football players want to seem to yell about every three or four days. Yeah, it's helpful because uh, every time they do that, then I could tweet out, hey, if you want to know the entire story about PFF. Uh, also, I was at Radio Row doing book promotion, and every host wanted me to, um, like, explain Dan Campbell going forward on fourth down. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't think that's really what I did here in the book, but uh, sure. Yeah, it was a 50-50 play and he went for it. But um, yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to see because not only do players like J.J. Watt occasionally rail against it, which is helpful, you know, 
But also uh, Zach Robinson, who worked for PFF, just got hired as the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator. So uh, that was it was quite a quite a nice nice thing to see for the book. Um, but yeah, it was, I think that people only know the grades and the Twitter, and the, that does not tell the story at all of what PFF is actually doing behind the scenes for teams. But you got to buy find the book to you know find out. Yeah, very good. Football is a numbers game by one Matthew Collins. You got another book coming out? You've done two books. You had a Vikings book, too, on the Minnesota Miracles. So there's got to be another book coming. Once, If there's anything I know, Matthew, it's that once you write a book, you don't stop. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I haven't decided, though, because it's such a long process from start to finish. So it, I think I started in September 2021, and we're still you know, doing the book promotion part of it, and I haven't decided. i got to have a good idea, yeah. but I don't have a good idea right now. All right. If I come up with one, I'll let you know. Okay, I'll I'll do uh, all the wide right field goals in Buffalo. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't even have. To, I mean, I, I maybe I'm speaking for myself here. I don't even think about that kick from Bass. Other things happen in that game that are troubling, and you know, there's 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 more context. Anyway, thank you, sir. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. Yeah, when the when when the Vikings trade just Justin Jefferson to the Bills, we'll call and we'll talk I'll again. Okay, I hope not. All right. All right. Matthew Collar, uh, Vikings reporter, cover he covers the Vikings, Purple Insider, does a great job. And that book, Football's a Numbers Game. I ordered a copy, got my copy, been going through that as I get time. It's super interesting. It's all about the stuff that you don't know about your football teams. And that's, you know, they love to downplay what they do, but they are, a lot of them, deep into a lot of stuff, analytics, all that. Like he said, it goes far beyond all the other stuff. 803-0550-1888-552-550. Yeah, you can give us a call. Don Granato, push to tomorrow. It's a Sabres game night. We've got Sabres and Panthers coming up this evening. Jeremy and Joe, Joe out today. So it's just me, Josh Schmidt here as well. Got the stat of the day when we return. And uh, some instant trivia next hour as well. Be caller five to win a pair of tickets. Two two one four WGR is the number to call. Two two one four WGR. Caller five wins a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at KeyBank Center on October sixth. Tickets go on sale March first at ten a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation. October sixth. Check the calendar. Will the Sabers have a game the next night? I mean, that's about the weekend. October 6th is a Sunday. Okay, so I bet the Sabres are home like on the 10th, that neighborhood. So right before hockey season, that one. Good morning. Jeremy and uh, Josh is here. Joe's out today. I was looking up. I'm trying to do a little bit of math here just to give a little bit of context. So Josh has been saying in the updates that Shaq Barrett was cut by the – Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're in a cap crunch, and they've got to make decisions as well. And Shaq Barrett has been cut, or is expected to be a, a post-June 1 cut. And looking at the numbers of that, I'm trying to get an idea of... Don't don't shoot the messenger here. That against Diggs. Like what Diggs would cost on what Shaq Barrett costs. And the reason I'm getting to that is we have to accept and slash expect that everything gets bigger. And by that I mean, we know the cap is up, had a huge jump in the cap. Okay, what does that mean? Salaries go up. Salaries are tied to the cap, period. The cap goes up, 
money to be spent on players goes up. And that means the salary at the quarterback position goes up and the franchise tag goes up for the receivers and, you know, all the rising tide. That's what this is. All, everybody's money's going to go up. One other thing that is worth noting in terms of what will go up is what teams will be willing to eat. If you have a $100 million salary cap, you might not be willing to eat a $12 million dead hit. But by the time you get to $300 million, all of a sudden 12 as a dead cap, which looked big back when your your salary cap was 100 now that's fine. So the dead cap numbers will also climb as everything else does. And on Shaq Barrett, I mean, he's a guy that will definitely get a job somewhere else. I mean, he's a player, and Tampa's making decisions here, right? Baker Mayfield's going to leave. I mean, every one of these moves with a Tampa player leaving that starts to spell rebuild or retool tells me that what we're looking at here is Mike Evans becomes more likely to move. Is that fair? I've got all the other pieces going away. Does Mike Evans want to stay for a team that's going to go backwards? The Bucks. here's the number from Jason at Over the Cap. The Bucks have to account for $26 million in dead money for Barrett. 26. Diggs' number's not that high off of that. So they split it to two years. He counts for 14 on the cap until June 1 and then 9 on the cap on June 2nd. And there's $17 million in dead money next year for the Bucks. For Diggs, it'd be $8 million dead this year and 22 next year. Here's, again, look at the numbers. 17 dead for the Bucks, 22 dead for the Bills. They're not exactly lined up, but bigger penalties will be accepted as money goes up. Of course, I think the idea of cutting Stephon Diggs is one of the worst ideas that we are currently routinely, I don't even know about discussing, but it comes up here and there. But I wanted to know for that, the, just the context, because I've seen and plugged all the numbers in on Diggs, and the Shaq Barrett number is not a small number, $26 million plus split over two years. 803-0550, In terms of uh, court storming, Josh, I'm telling you, you don't have to go to a big place because, where did I just get one here? Bill wrote in, stormed the court at a Hamburg volleyball game when they beat Orchard Park in 2005. Just saying. I think we just need a court at this point. Like, <laughs> like whatever sport is taking place in a gymnasium can be stormed, I think. Because we've gotten volleyball. We've gotten that guy with the track and field story where he ducked out of the indoor track and field into the big house. Like, yep, that was yep. pretty cool. So, I feel like we just need a court. Yeah. 803-0550 to join us. one 888 550 On the Barrett cut, also, post-June 1. Post-June 1 means you can't use the cap. Like, you... You still get the full cap charge because he counts up until June 1st, so you, you can't use that money. It is savings past June 1st, but you know free agency happens long before then. 803-0550, your stat of the day. I, I owe you a stat of the day. I'll get that right on the other side. Some really wild numbers on kickoffs and how that will be changed, how they're going to want to change that. Troy Vincent already uh, leading the charge, talking about how they, they can't have it be how it has been. Some numbers on kickoffs are wild. Get you some of those here on WGR. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.